Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to begin reading with verse 15. Read verse 15, then jump down to verse 18. So you follow along in your copy of the scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. For this is the will of God. Stop and think about that for a moment. For this is the will of God. You know, that's what we ought to be interested in, isn't it? The will of God. That was what Jesus was interested in. Even on that night, he was betrayed went to the garden and said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Verse 18, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When? Mindful of God, one endures sour sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word as we apply it to our hearts and live it out through our lives for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. And the evidence that we have seen of that faithfulness in so many ways in our lives, even this past week. We pray that you would just guide and direct us into your truth as we seek to, this morning, discover principles for our lives. And help us to be challenged and changed as we conform to the character of your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. 1 Peter 2, 15 says, says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Read that verse with me, will you please? We'll start with a reference, we'll read the verse, and we will end with a reference. Here we go. 1 Peter 2, 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. 1 Peter 2, 15. 
Now, we all want the will of God in our lives, but you've not had to live very long to discover that life is not always fair. Even if we're in the middle of God's will, life is not fair. All you have to do is go to the pages of Scripture and you discover that pretty quickly, don't you? You look at Abraham and Lot, life is not fair. You look at Jacob and Laban, life is not fair. Esau and Jacob, David and Saul, Joseph and his brothers, Daniel and his accusers, Jesus. Life is not fair. Look around. Life is not always fair. But the question is, how do you and I respond when life is not fair? Now, there are four typical responses that we have. When life is not always fair. The first response is this. We get aggressive and blame others. We blow up. You know anybody like that? Life's not fair. So we just spew over everybody and let them know that I have been unjustly bothered with life. Now the opposite end of that is that we get passive and feel sorry for ourselves and we clam up. We just don't say anything. Leave me alone. I want to have my pity party. Just just allow me to sulk and sit because I want to feel sorry for myself. Sometimes we go into a holding pattern. We delay or deny our feelings and we just dry up. And all of a sudden life doesn't have much meaning or we don't get mad we get even right sometimes we ante up and no matter what's happening we're going to get even with somebody maybe you heard the story about the korean soldiers who hired a houseboy and after a while they decided that they would play some tricks on this houseboy So they put Vaseline all over his cooking pans. So they would nail his shoes to the floor. They would put him in a position where he would get all wet as water spilled over on top of him. Well, eventually the the soldiers felt a little sorry for him. and so, So they went and kind of asked his forgiveness. And as they were talking with him, The Korean boy says, no more sticky on stove? Nope. No more nail shoes to floor? Nope. No more water on door? Nope. He said, okay, no more spit in soup. (laughs) You see, the reality of is success in life is not not having problems success in life is biblically handling the problems that we have paul in our text this morning helps us understand how we are to biblically handle the problems that we have when life is not fair and he gives to us three principles that you and i can apply to our lives as we live through life and recognize that god is in control last friday night i started to think life's not fair it's not fair that i ought to have to get up every 15 minutes and help my wife with her difficulties i mean after all it was at the end of vacation 
throughout this week, my schedule's all been discombobulated. Life's not fair. And it's real easy to go into that mode and recognize that life's not going the way I planned. But this is the will of God, right? And God is in control and God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we were to ever ask or, or expect. And he did that in my life this past week. And I'll share some of that with you this morning. What do you do when life is not fair? Well, the first thing that you need to do is you need to submit with respect. Now, our text here, Peter is talking about servants. Servants being subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering injustice. We need to submit with respect. The word submission can be a very difficult word, can't it? On the Saturday before Labor Day, first part of September, I believe it's September the 2nd, I am going to perform a wedding ceremony, a young couple that uh, I met here in Battle Creek, believers. I met him at Planet Fitness. He's the manager there. He said to me one day as I was leaving, Tom, I understand you're a preacher. I don't know how he understood that. I mean, how could he tell when I'm on the treadmill that I'm a preacher? I didn't have my honk, do you, when, if you love Jesus, sticker on my back. He said, do you do, do you do weddings? I thought, I do funerals. Sometimes it's the same thing. Connie is not here this morning. <laughs> 44 years, I have been blessed. I mean that. But anyway, I'm going to be working with Sean and Chelsea and have been working with them and sharing in their lives. And as I met with them, Chelsea says to me, she says, Tom, whatever you do in this wedding ceremony, don't do anything about that submission stuff. Yeah, wow. I said, okay, help me understand what you mean by submission. She said, well, it's this barefoot and pregnant stuff in the kitchen all the time and my husband telling me what to do all the time. I said, Chelsea, that's not submission. Submission is recognizing that there is an authority in our lives. If you read Ephesians chapter 5, where it talks about wives submitting unto yourselves under your husband as is unto the Lord. It talks about each one of us being in submission to God. We are in That's okay, right? And the word means an understudy, an under rower, recognizing that there is someone who gives us direction and who loves us so much that we can follow that direction in our lives. I said to Chelsea, I said, Chelsea, if Sean will love you as Christ loved the church, you'll have no problems recognizing 
his position of leadership in your life. We talk through that. Here it says, servants, be in submission. Respect those who have authority over you. And it's not just to the good, and it's not just to the gentle, but it's to the unjust. Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and unto God the things that are God. Do you remember how the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, responded to the king? The king said, you didn't bow to me. The idol was there. And I said, if you don't bow the idol to me, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. They didn't argue with him. They said this, okay, king, if our God wants to deliver us from that fiery furnace, he will. And he did. You and I need to live lives that are filled with respect to those in authority. And when life is not fair, we need to be willing to submit with. Principle number two, we need not only to submit with respect, but we need to remember that suffering reminds us of God. Look with me at verse 18. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures suffering, sorrows while suffering unjustly. Focus, focus, focus on God. We tend to focus on the stuff around us, don't we? We tend to focus on the inconvenience. We tend to focus on the pain. We, we tend to focus on all the distractions that are around us instead of looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And here Peter says, when you are unjustly treated, when things are not going well, when there is something that happens to you and life is not fair, focus. Focus on who God is because he's always fair. Focus on who God is because he's always love. Focus on who God is because he is ultimately in control. Swindoll says, to keep your balance in those times when things are swirling around you. It's important to find a fixed reference point and focus on it. How did Joseph deal with his brothers? He focused on God. How was David able to refuse to take vengeance on Saul? He focused on God. How was Paul? in the midst of a shipwreck, able to encourage the sailors, you read this in your quiet time this last week, that everything was going to be okay. He focused on God. And when we discover life is not fair, and you will discover it, and perhaps this week it will be a reminded Focus on God. Mindful of God. Now here's a question. 
what would Jesus do? Because our next verse, the verses tell us that we are to follow in his steps. Do you see it there in verse 21? Underline that, will you please? The end of the verse. So that you might follow in his steps. What would Jesus do? Well, he would be submissive. We've talked about that, right? He would focus on his God. We talked about that, right? And he also gives to us a good response because silence is a good response. Look with me. Verse 20. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. Silence is a good response. My mother used to say, Tom, Better keep your mouth shut and let people think you're ignorant than open it up and remove all doubt. That has served me well. I need to put my mind in gear so my tongue doesn't idle. Think about that. And what did Jesus do? When he was reviled, he didn't get back at him. When he suffered, it was okay. When they was mocked, he recognized that it was part of God's plan for his life. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth, verse 22. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but continued to entrust himself to one who judges justly. I take you back to verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you might put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Silence is a good response. Isaiah 53. Who hath received our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Grow up like a tender shoot. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. All ye like sheep have gone astray, you have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him. The iniquity of us all. Why do I feel I've got to say something? Why do I feel that I have to justify myself? Jesus didn't. Keep your finger here in First Peter and turn over to First John, will you please? First John chapter two. First John chapter two. 
Verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The he there is Jesus. Right? Silence is a good response. Now, how does that encourage us this morning? Back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer. Of your souls. Let me just give you a couple of truths to remember. Truth number one our sins are removed. Amen? Our sins have been removed, they have been paid for on the cross. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Our sins are gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Buried in the deepest sea. That is good enough for me. I shall live eternally, praise God. My sins are G-O-N-E, gone. Amen? And I don't have to worry about it. Because he has taken care of me. I ran across a course. Christine, where are you? Would you come to the instrument, please? This is an oldie but goodie. This is what you call planned spontaneity. All right? You ask me why I'm happy? Well, I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone, and when I meet the scoffer who asks me where they are, I say my sins are gone. Now, this is a toad-stomper, hand-clapper song. Christine! So I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone, and when I meet the scoffer and ask me where they are, I say... My sins are gone. Where are they? They're underneath the blood. Cross of Calvary. As far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness. That's good enough for me. Praise God. My sins are gone. Now how many of you know that song? I told you it was an oldie but goodie. Let's try it together, okay? Now you can tap your feet. It's okay. You can clap your hands. It's okay because it's one of those. This is a praise God song. All right? Let's try it together. Here we go, Christine. You ask me why I'm happy and I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. And when I meet the scoffer who asks me where they are, I say my sins are gone. Where are they? 
There underneath the blood of the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn, in the sea of God's forgetfulness. That's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. Stanza two, here we go. When Satan comes and tempts me and tries to make me doubt, I say, they're gone. That's right. You got me into trouble, but Jesus got me out. I'm glad my... Where are they? They're underneath the blood of the cross of Calvary. As far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. All God's people said... So when life's not fair, and it's not, folks, our sins are removed. Praise God, my sins are gone. And the second truth is this. Our shepherd is our refuge. 46th Psalm, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Amen. And he is the one who is the overseer of our souls. Amen. I told you that there were just a number of God things in my life this past week. Let me tell you how I knew life wasn't fair. I'm on vacation and Connie gets sick. Our grandson is still with us. That's why we didn't go to the hospital Friday night and waited till Saturday afternoon to go. Life's not fair. Connie was put in isolation because they thought they, she might have C. diff, contagious stuff. Life's not fair. Sunday night, I went to put something away in the refrigerator, and the refrigerator quit working. Life's not fair. Connie's in the hospital Monday afternoon, and that's my golf league. That's right, Tina. Life's really not fair at that point. <laughs> Connie doesn't seem to be getting any better. Life's not fair. Connie said to me before we went to the hospital, she said, Tom, I'd really like to fix, have some jello. I said, okay, I've never fixed jello. I did find out that there are directions on the box. Life's not fair. Fair. We got up Thursday morning, put something in the microwave. All the lights went out. I thought, life's not fair. Found out that I had pushed the power saver button by mistake. <laughs> life's not fair. God things. God knew I needed to be here Sunday morning. 
My soul needed it. My spirit needed it. I needed it. Ran into one of our young men that I've been trying to get a hold of in the parking lot. So I was coming into the building from the back. Opportunity to be an encouragement to staff at Bronson Medical Center here in Battle Creek. By the way, Connie was so pleased with the care she got. Texts and phone calls and cards. God things in our lives. Opportunity for us to meet our deductible. Hmm? And it's met, praise God, taken care of. It's a God thing. Connie came home. God thing. She's not been nauseated since she came home. And she's not even sick of me yet. And through the whole process, and there are others, it's not about me. It's not about Connie. It's not even about life. It's about our God. Because God is there. God can be trusted. And all things do work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Amen? You believe that today? So when life's not fair, recognize that God is in control. And understand that we can submit with respect. We can be reminded of God. And silence is a good response. <laughs> Why? Because our sins are gone. Amen. And he's still in control as a shepherd of our souls. That's our